Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What does it mean to be modern? And what is modernity anyway? I'm Ryan McDermott, host of Genealogies of Modernity, and I'm here to tell you that it's complicated. No, just kidding. In this show, we get a bunch of academics to actually venture answers to some really tough questions. What is genealogy? What are the sources of racism and anti-racism? You might disagree with our answers, but you can find them on Genealogies of Modernity, a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books in Critical Theory. It's a podcast that's part of the New Books Network. On this episode, I'm talking to Francis Howard about global perspectives on youth arts programs, how and why the arts can make a difference. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. Uh, This is a fantastic book. It's really, really interesting. It gives um, a a really kind of critical and um, sort of deeply thought both defence and uh, analysis of um, youth arts, and I guess the kind of importance of, of the arts more generally, uh, which is, is obviously really important in the current climate. And I guess the place to start really um, is with the project and I guess the kind of the research um, underpinning um, the book. And it'd be interesting to hear about your sort of um, approach, uh, your experience, and, and I guess actually the kind of ethnographic methods and orientation that you use in the book. Yeah, I can talk about that. I think for me, this has really been a personal mission, you know, coming from, you know, before doing a PhD, being a youth arts worker, using these kind of practice and pedagogies in the field of youth work and, and feeling really enthused about that and feeling really excited. And then coming back to university a bit later on to look at these kind of practices across different projects for me really was this kind of critical awakening in that actually you know everyone's projects are actually different everyone's practice is different and oh actually there's some bad practice in these particular areas so for me looking at different youth arts programs in different settings really was an awakening to you know you say the constraints that are put on these programs the labels that are put on young people but the inspiration very much was from my practice um, that I then followed up to do a PhD. And what I really enjoyed about making this book, not only from, from my research project, but from the, the six international uh, research projects, was the, the time spent with the young people. So for me, I fell into this kind of ethnographic approach, mainly as my background as a youth worker, and just really enjoyed spending time with young people, 
doing the arts projects that they were doing. I really enjoyed being taught by young people. They were much better at me at things like rapping, songwriting, filmmaking, dance, all the different art forms they were doing. So I was kind of like their pupil, if you like. And that really chimed well with my approach as a youth worker and the ethnographic method. So it's really nice to hear you talk about the, the richness and the depth of the study, because that's what I really wanted to, to bring to the front about these arts experiences. And again, with the, the broadening it out from my English case study, which looked at, at the Arts Award, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, but looking at the international um, projects as well in a kind of a form of a best practice, you know, what's working around the world, speaking to the young people again across all these different projects, what they'd enjoyed, what the experience of the arts programmes was for them, how it had developed them kind of personally and socially as well. So for me, it was kind of, very luxurious book to write because it was things that I really believed in. It was things that I'd experienced critically in the field myself. And it was things that I really wanted to go off and look more widely at in future. So yeah, an enjoyable experience. We, we should probably, you've sort of alluded to this already, but we should probably have a, a discussion about what it is the book is actually talking about. And one thing that, that comes through, um, right at the start, but actually runs throughout the book, is this kind of contested territory of what youth arts is, what a youth arts programme is and could be and should be. Um, and some of this is in contrast to how we might think about, you know, sort of other um, art forms or, or other areas uh, of arts practice. But some of it is, is around, and, and you've sort of alluded to this, the idea of sort of, you know, quality um, in terms of the programmes. So what, what actually is youth arts and what is a youth arts programme? Well, I think you should probably ask a young person to define that. I think, you know, for youth arts, this really starts with young people at the centre. So this isn't about things that are happening in school, in my opinion. This isn't about things that happen in, in arts organisations. These are things that happen in, in youth spaces, in young people's domains. You know, historically, that's been the kind of the bedroom, the bedroom culture. More recently, that's kind of youth projects and youth settings. Um, so I think youth arts has to start with young people at the centre. Uh, in a way, we're just, as adults, the audience for the arts, aren't we? That young people are changing and doing and making. And what I found really interesting in my fieldwork is that actually young people couldn't really agree what arts was because it was totally different to them depending on their experience. And actually, when you talk about what we would refer to as the high arts, quite a lot of them felt opposite to that or they kind of shunned that and they said, oh, no, I wasn't very good at drawing at school or my mum and dad didn't pay for me to do violin lessons. So there was a real kind of divide within the young people themselves about what the arts was. But for me, I saw this kind of pure creativity, this kind of really motivated creativity, especially within those informal education settings, which could be nurtured to something that was really, really valuable for young people. So yeah, as you said, high arts is and um, youth arts is a contested domain, but for it to be purely youth arts, it needs to start with young people at its centre. And I guess there's something uh, of that uh, sort of if not contested, but uh, the, the kind of uh, range of, of different definitions when we're thinking about youth arts practice as well. Um, and quite early on in the book, you, you sort of carve out um, several different um, approaches. You've got sort of creative youth arts work, the arts as being kind of an intervention, uh, the arts as being more to do with with youth development. And, and I wonder if you, you could kind of sketch out what these um types or schools or or categories of, of approach are 
Yeah, of course. I think when I was doing, you know, reading into further reading in preparing for this book, it was good to map the kind of three kind of trends, I think I called them, in, in youth arts practice. Uh, and one that really chimed with me, uh, Creative Arts Youth Work, it's from Began and Coburn, uh, is this kind of synergy between what arts practice and the arts do and what also youth work can facilitate. So very much creative arts youth work is something authentic, it's participatory. There's a real synergy of the different pedagogies involved here. Um, It's about expression and voice. And basically young people develop art skills through informal education as a way of kind of situating critical work or more emancipatory practice, you know, there's kind of goals within within youth work, but it's based on negotiation, voluntary participation. There's quite a lot of improvisation and flexibility and opportunity. So again, you've got that real kind of youth-led element coming through. For me, Creative Arts Youth Work was really opposite towards a trend that I see unfortunately growing in the sector, which is towards the arts as an intervention. Now, you know, we have a lot of research that tells us arts as an intervention can be very good therapeutically, it can be good for relationship work, and it's often a catalyst for longer term engagement of young people in different art forms, you know, lifelong audiences for the arts, if you want to put it like that. But often you would see that the arts are kind of secondary outcomes within these kind of programmes. Often they're short term or they're diversionary. And and unfortunately, some of these programmes are quite remedial and quite dumbed down in their experience, particularly of the art forms I was observing across some of the projects. And also their perception and stance on young people is slightly different. I think sometimes arts as an intervention are designed to creatively fix young people and they can be seen as kind of forms of social governance. Uh, And one particular example I looked across youth offending projects was more likely to use this kind of Uh, this approach to to using arts within youth work. And the the final one that I looked at was positive youth development, which comes mainly from America. And there's lots of great research around it for kind of building communities and social connections, but it still had this kind of deficit label hanging on it. And there was a great book I read um, a few years ago by uh, Tyler Denmead, which was a an ethnography of an urban artist studio. And he talked about, you know, this drive in, in arts policy to turn troubled youth into creative youth. So this whole idea that the arts could save souls. So those two kind of latter trends for me really contrasted with what I viewed at the heart of um, global arts practice around creative arts youth work. So it was really interesting to compare those three different themes across the work that's really happening. I suppose the programmes you're uh, kind of critical of and, and sort of show the limitations of are those that label young people in in particular ways um and and it's quite interesting again quite early in the book you you sort of talk about the way that young people are often um not seen as you know kind of full of potential for you know their own uh, empowered creative um arts practice but actually are labeled as you know sort of at risk or um hard to reach um and, and and i guess you pose this as, as sort of one of the the limitations of maybe I'd call it like bad um, kind of youth arts practice. So what what's your sort of critique of labelling of young people, and, and and I suppose how does that link into the more um, kind of limited um, types of uh, youth artwork that you reviewed in the book? Yeah, the key bit of learning for me actually. When you're a practitioner in the field, particularly fields that are underfunded like the arts and youth work, you would kind of 
do anything or write anything in these funding bids to secure the money and using labels and attaching labels to groups of young people for conditions that aren't at their making is so common and so widespread and you don't really get the chance to think about the repercussions of these and this is what the research really brought to the fore for me so you know the labels were kind of they're necessary in today's climate because there's more targeted work and needing more evidence of kind of impact. But actually, if we continue to label groups of young people like at risk and neat and hard to reach, actually, does this impact their, their futures going forward? Is there kind of a, a social justice issue that, that's reproduced? And this is very much what I argue in the book. So, for example, when I'm looking at the limitations of practice for those young people who are hard to reach, you know, those risky young people for them youth arts programs might have been more about making issue-based work you know they're doing a for example a, a film on knife crime as a way of coming to terms with responsibilizing themselves you know we take this quite critical sociological perspective of it and another example if you've got neat young people not in education employment and training they might be able to do an arts program but it's got to have some kind of uh, entrepreneurial quality about it or some kind of like economic rhetoric or or kind of entry to employment or education are measured as outcomes of a particular programme. And it's the same for populations that are deemed as, as hard to reach. For me, these, these labels are very problematic because they place a blame on the young people, not of their knowing and also not of their doing, but in a way they diluted particular programmes and they changed the expectations of the young people in the programmes. And more and more, like with the previous examples of the trends, the arts were becoming secondary. It was less about having a good quality arts experience or learning art skills and more about coming to terms with something in your life or improving some other thing in your in your being that might be rewarded economically. So for me, this learning around labels was, was really, really important. And I don't think there are many in the youth work field that are aware of, of how damaging this practice could be. For me, I, I certainly wasn't. And um, so it was a big awakening for myself, as I said. When it's done right, and, and I guess this is the kind of final um, set of ideas that, that come from, from the first uh, third of the book, there's the possibility that these programmes can be really sort of transformative. And you introduce um, three really kind of big themes that um, I suppose you, you use to both uh, sort of critique, but also to, to show the kind of the value and, and potential um, of good programs, which, which are the idea of having a common culture, cultural citizenship, and then cultural democracy. Um, and, and I'm intrigued the way uh, I suppose you, you sort of lay them out, and, and obviously it would be good to hear what they are, but also I'm intrigued by how they um, allowed you to, I, I suppose, kind of make judgments um, around the quality of programs. Well, yeah, I can talk quickly through the um, the key concepts that I use. Um, I can start with common culture because for me, you know, as an ethnographer, I really chimed, this comes from Paul Willis, and I really chimed with not only his approach to researching young people, but the way he viewed culture as a kind of an everyday practice. Um, I like the idea of culture being all around. This idea of meaning making from below really seemed to chime with the kind of more democratic and the more responsive youth arts programmes that I saw. And what I like about common culture is that it positions young people as creative citizens rather than kind of labour power. Uh, and, and again, draws on this idea of everyday arts, which are found in TV, in fashion, in radio, in film, on the internet, online, wherever young people take this creative inspiration from their lives, that then becomes the tools with which they make their arts. 
So this totally, for me, described what I saw across my fieldwork in the five projects. So I really wanted to hold on to that as a, a key concept of how common culture can flourish within youth workspaces. And to that, I added a couple more concepts, cultural citizenship and cultural democracy, uh, which were more kind of future facing in terms of, you know, this is the potential of what youth arts could do. And I think that's why I drew in the, the six international projects, because they really were exemplars of these, these other concepts. So in terms of cultural citizenship, um, Kuttner and Stevenson used that phrase, but more recently it's been used by Pat Thompson and Chris Hall in, in, in their book. Um, and it was about the Arts Award, the programme that I was studying, not reaching its full potential. And again, this is a concept about working with marginalised groups, about being active, about being choice-driven. But actually, for me, it's more celebratory of different um cultures, opportunities to learn through diverse cultures. And for me, what really encapsulates cultural citizenship, although there is that tension in young people need to be ideal citizens, was that the arts can be a lens through which young people see and experience the world around them. So for me, that was a more democratic and rights-based approach, which then led me towards also engaging with with cultural democracy. Now, cultural democracy, as we know, is often talked about in the arts world, but it's, for me, when I looked at it across the different international projects, it's experienced differently throughout the world, which is quite interesting. Again, it's this meaning-making from below, which challenged with Willis, and the idea that everybody has the right to culture and to delineate their own culture, but its artistic outcomes are for young people rather than outcomes for the arts. So this really linked into my kind of ideas around labels and, and, and who is the arts for and, and when does the arts become a secondary output. So as we know, cultural democracy, again, can be a bit of a contentious issue. It, it's crept into cultural policy. But what I tried to do was to draw on these three themes from my PhD and extend them across the six international projects in the book to really consolidate what the kind of best offer of youth arts programmes might look like which neatly sets up the um, Arts Award programme. Um, and, and this is the, the kind of the, 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 the sort of meat of the book in, in terms of the eth- ethnography, as you've mentioned. So it'd be nice to hear a, a sort of an introduction, I guess, to, to what it is. And, and I suppose actually your sort of continuing uh, relationship with it before we um, start to kind of drill down in terms of the uh, young people and the youth workers kind of kind of practices that you observe. Yeah, of course. So the article for people who don't know is a nationally accredited programme. It's run by Trinity College London, but it was actually set up by Arts Council England back in 2006-2007 and I was trained when I was a youth worker in how to run the award. So the basic premise is that it's a Uh, a kind of a hybrid qualification of academic and practice-based and anyone aged between 11 and 25 can can do an arts ward. Um, So an advisor can be anyone who's worked with young people for three years or more and you pay for the training and then you get a toolkit and you can devise a programme around your group of young people. It could be any art form, it's kind of portfolio assessed, so there's four or five specific elements they have to evidence within a portfolio. And then the cost comes when the portfolio needs to be moderated. So there's a cost associated with it. So for me, as a youth worker being trained in Arts Ward, I saw the great potential of this as a kind of a, a project-based approach to youth work. You know, we could be working with a group of young people. Some of them want to go off and do singing. Some of them want to go off and make a film, etc. Or we can do it around this Arts Ward framework. It gave me quite a nice framework to work with. 
So in, in the Youth Work Centre in particular, it gave the opportunity to do quite intensive creative work, but also we could levy funding for artists to come in and work with groups of young people to kind of raise the quality of our practice, if you like. They could try new things. But then also within the, the youth work setting, there were some more kind of more tokenistic and short-term approaches to this. And also the issue of it being a qualification, I mean, the youth though thought that was brilliant because, again, it's a, a hard outcome. But sometimes that idea of credentialing groups of marginalised young people overtook the importance of doing a really creative youth-led project. So that, that's how Arts Award works within youth settings in particular. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off i suppose that there's not kind of two two groups um involved in in, in the field work because you know people have sort of multiple identities that they, they take on uh, multiple roles e- even in in the context of something like a youth arts program but broadly speaking um you've got i suppose kind of reflections from uh, the youth workers from the i suppose the kind of delivery um, bit of the program and you've got reflections from, from the younger people as well and right the way through you, you try and say well look uh, as you've just done actually you know there are some things that are really great but actually there, there are some things that are quite constrained and, and are sort of problems um, for the program and I wonder if you could just give a couple of examples from uh, the youth workers and from the young people of these sort of opportunities and constraints that came with the program. The youth workers that I interviewed, they really saw the Arts Award as an opportunity to do something different and something new. So some of them talked about, oh, well, we took them down to such and such an art gallery and we were doing a journalism project and we gave them all microphones and they went around interviewing people and it happened to be um, kind of um, Black Lives Matter month and the young people got to learn about that and we'd never have got to do that kind of thing had it not been for the Arts Award, giving us an excuse to go out and do things. And when I interviewed young people, again, it was that sense of, well, I would never have done this had it not been for Arts Award. So a young person that I interviewed had kind of put on his own kind of night and he'd organised bands and he'd organised singers and rappers and he compared it and he said, you know, and he they supported him, the youth club supported him to kind of publish it on social media he said, well, I've never would have done this had it not been my Arts Award project. So as a kind of a loose framework, it really gave youth workers and young people the opportunity to push their creative practice and to do new things and to be more kind of out of the youth clubs and more openly open-facing with their arts work. The kind of constraints of it on the flip side was when you had more kind of structured programmes, and this is the problem, isn't it? You know, you've got... 
uh, youth arts, which is something that's defined from young people, and arts could be anything. And then you've got the word program on the end, which suggests something rigid and preset that everyone follows. Of course, within the arts world, there are particular kinds of evidence and skills development that you have to look at. And when that becomes reduced for certain groups, because there's assumptions made about them that they don't have a particular academic ability or they don't have a particular artistic ability, the constraints started to show through with those more kind of structured and controlling programmes. So so to give an example for youth workers, they say, well, you know, such and such, he's not capable of doing this. So we're not going to give him the opportunity to do that or we're not going to take them on the trip that we plan to theatre because they're just going to kick off or mess around. So you could see the kind of constraints and little bits of freedoms being taken away from those young people who were labelled or who were kind of more disengaged. And what I did find was the more disengaged young people got offered the least challenge. You know, it was more kind of like, well, we'll just get them through this award. So we'll just spoon feed them and we'll use the worksheets and we'll take away most of the creative elements just to kind of drip, drip, drip so we can get them through. So they made the kind of markers of success much lower than those who were had a much kind of open approach to the award. And that was quite problematic because in the end it, it ended up kind of disadvantaging the young people who were the most disadvantaged those who could benefit from most from having great arts experiences and and access to quality artists didn't get that from the program they received a more kind of didactic dumbed down approach um through their program so you know it, it, it can work really great in some settings and the constraints of other settings and the the assumptions about the young people can constrain it in other one of the kind of final ideas that that really stood out to me um, was the idea that these programs can produce what you call justice orientated cultural citizens and and this came through um, both actually in in terms of the artistic practices of the young people um, which you know feel free to sort of give examples but but also almost as a kind of an ideal type uh, as as a kind of standard for for what they're really you know, sort of best examples can can do. And on that, I'm in sort, of, sort of intrigued to hear like what a justice-orientated cultural citizen is. And, you know, this is not just a young people thing, but but also maybe examples of um, some of the practices that, that fulfilled that. Yeah, um, so justice-orientated cultural citizens, again, and he has this typology where he explains three different levels of kind of engagement and what young people use Arts Ward for. And in a way to kind of highlight that, that Arts Ward has the potential to do certain things but wasn't quite hitting the mark, I use this typology. So obviously justice-oriented oriented cultural citizens is your kind of your, your best practice, your high level. And these are young people that use their artistic practice to promote justice and to address inequalities in society. Uh, and in my book, I give a couple of examples. So you've got the Chicago Arts and Music Project, which is uh, actually a classical-based uh, project. It's one of the only ones that I looked at that had more kind of traditional art forms. Uh, and they use classical music instruments to kind of put on events and shows and things to bring awareness to particular issues in society. But the kind of instrumental work goes alongside kind of a lot of dialogue and discussion and, and engagement with the young people. Uh, and there was a great project as well, a second project, uh, Jug and Culture Project in Germany. Uh, and Germany, uh, Dresden, it was based as an area that's kind of renowned for kind of uh, more far-right movements. Uh, and so their project was called You Are Welcome, which was about celebrating um, 
immigrant communities. So again, they used their art practice, which I think was an exhibition format, and they did these postcards and they did a kind of theatre show and a film show, lots of different events to kind of really raise awareness of kind of hate crime towards um, asylum seeker and refugee communities. But what I really liked about this concept, and I saw lots of examples in in my own um, arts awards study as well, is that for me it gave a kind of a way between this impasse of social goals expected for the arts and not quite that socially engaged arts practice. Also, for me, there was a bit of a problem with how young people were expected to be ideal citizens within the arts award, and there were lots of different ideas on this. Uh, coming from different areas across the world as well. What what is an ideal citizen? Well, an ideal citizen is one that completes their education to a high level, goes on and gets a job and contributes to the society. And you see a lot of that within Arts Ward in terms of this entrepreneurial rhetoric, you know, what are you doing to then become an artist for your job? And what if the arts isn't that? What if it's a hobby for your own fulfilment? What if it's just for your own personal development? And I think that kind of area of it is much better supported within youth work and informal education settings. So yes, justice-oriented cultural citizens, look it up, it's a great concept. You mentioned a couple of times the, the international uh, case studies, um, and, and obviously you've given examples of, of things like um, the, the German and, and the American um, case studies that, that you draw out uh, towards the end of the book. I, I'm sort of interested to know, I suppose, it, you've kind of said why you chose them and, and, and what their role is in the book and, and particularly, you know, how they link to this idea of a different kind of, of citizenship. But I suppose the, the question is, how do they contrast um, with the Arts Award programme? Are there particular things that you think um, that in, in particular the Arts Award programme could have learned from them? Um, and, and I guess how might they be uh, deployed um, as, as, as best practice here in, in the UK and elsewhere? I think in terms of the, the case study projects that I selected in terms of common culture, so this was really looking at the art forms and the ethos of the art forms. So I selected this brilliant project in Glasgow called Bolt FM, which is a radio project. Uh, and having been a youth worker and worked on a radio project, I can see how valuable they are for kind of discussion and dialogue and debate. Uh, and that actually radio doesn't always get recognised as an art form, but it's actually very creative. I'm writing on it at the moment, actually. It's very creative, things young people do to prepare for radio and delivering radio. So I think one thing that Arts Award does very well is this kind of recognition of this wide range of what art is and what young people's art is. You know, it's very inclusive. You could say, I don't know, doing Minecraft was art if you were able to link it to the design, or you could say cup, making cupcakes was art if you were able to, again, link that to some kind of design. So I looked very much at art forms. Also, I looked at dance, so there's a, a project in Finland called Dance Hearts at Anna Tello, which is, is Anna's house. And again, this was the idea that movement is for everyone. You know, movement can happen in open air spaces. And, and, and for me, those art forms, are, uh, those projects in particular, were really invested in young people's cultural forms of knowledge. And I think perhaps despite its openness of what art could be for young people, Arts Award in a way missed a trick in terms of 
starting with the young people and using their starting points. And what I did do actually after I finished the PhD was I did do some work with with Arts Ward and the Arts Council in disseminating a resource about how to better design these programmes within youth work settings. And that was my kind of like, I think it's included in the book actually, that was my number one go-to in that actually you can't design a programme for young people unless you've asked them what they're interested in or looked at where their cultural funds of knowledge are. So you're not making any assumptions. You're not prescribing anything that you think will solve or cure or that they should be doing. And there's no kind of deficit assumptions there. I think that's really important. And another way of working, in particular around cultural democracy, so the couple of projects I looked at in terms of those were really democratic in the way that they structured their programmes and their learning. So, for example, I've got two um, great examples, one from uh, Australia uh, called Propel Youth Arts in Perth. Uh, and they do, they're a kind of a youth-led advocacy programme, a First Nations arts advocacy programme. So as well as the kind of youth aspect, you've got the ethnicity aspect in there as well. Um, and they every year run a kickstart festival, which is basically run, they, they pay a coordinator. So again, they're paying young people, they have a steering group. And so there's lots of details in the book about how that functioned to best capture the interests of the young people and the youth workers on that programme. You know, the programme manager is really reflective. He's saying, you know, I'm not a young person anymore. How can I possibly programme a youth arts festival? It has to come from the young people. They know what they would want. And again, I think that is a bit of a trick that that Arts Ward does miss sometimes in that, you know, they're looking too much out there into how they can build audiences for the arts and perhaps more traditional forms of art without looking at the kind of communities that young people already have building up around particular art forms. Uh, And there's a quote that I'll always remember from my, my field work uh, from one of the groups, uh, it was a, a, a kind of a alternative education project. So it was young people who were excluded from school that had come to do a kind of a rap music, music production project during the daytime. Um, and I was interviewing one of the youth workers there. And uh, he said, well, where do you expect to go and find young people and their arts networks? You know, they could be DJing in a warehouse. They could be doing a rap battle in a car park. They could just be in each other's bedrooms, texting on their phones. And for me, it's that kind of where young people congregate in their communities, doing their art, doing their creativity, that's really important. That's not always acknowledged in the kind of framework of the arts award, but these projects brought out really well in the rest of the book. These projects are also... I guess, kind of set up a sense of um, what's possible going forward. And, you know, here in the UK, we're, we're at a time of uh, of really a, a decade and, and longer of uh, funding cuts and, and in some ways the sort of collapse of various parts of, of the welfare state. Um, and, you know, this happens in, in sort of similar and um, sort of slightly different ways in, in different countries. And I wondered sort of to, to conclude um, on those case studies, but, but also to conclude on the book, what, what do you think the future of these kind of programmes is going to be? Is, is I suppose, the worry that they become more um, about those um, sort of either economic outcomes or um, about those uh, what used to be called kind of instrumental um, ideas or are you kind of hopeful that more of the potential um, both for social justice and uh, for the production of um, a kind of critical citizenship uh, is coming through in, in youth arts programs? I mean I'm always hopeful I'm a very optimistic person I mean I think 
my my personal drive to write this book you know is to reflect my own learning that I was part of that that kind of constraining without realizing it so I think the more people that can understand the particular constraints that we work within and subvert those or counteract those the better I mean I think the targeted approach is kind of quite prevalent at the moment because of funding cuts, but actually, you know, there's still things we can do to funders' expectations. There's still things we can do to, to celebrate, to signpost the practice. I think for the future, we need to fight for more opportunities for young people. We need to fight for the importance of open programmes and openness in using arts practice. We need to fight against these targets and youth workers can do that the fight against this kind of deficit not by just not using those labels but actually questioning our own practice and saying well why shouldn't somebody from this particular background have all the opportunities that that somebody else has i think for for example we need to value the experience of the arts above all else and, and that was really important in my message when i fed back to arts ward um, about the programme that actually the experience of the arts sometimes gets forgotten and it gets a lot of all these targets and, and diluted down. And the more that people can be involved in, in planning and all the way through the programmes, the more that they can be listened to, be responsive and be flexible around their needs, you know, that builds people who then go off and be the next youth arts workers of a generation. You know, these are a set of values that, that go forward with people and go forward in time. Um, what I'm just trying to do off, off the back of the book is to go around and speak to as many groups of youth workers and, and youth arts projects as possible. So, in fact, later on today, uh, I'm running a panel uh, on making a difference, and that's for the National Council of, of Ireland. And they've got an artists in residence programme. Again, that was something I covered in the book. I think it's a great model that they do in Ireland, uh, where they have a fund for youth clubs to employ an artist in residence to come in and do projects. And um, so, yeah, I'm doing a little webinar for them. Uh, and in August, I'm going to Finland to work with 200 youth workers who are also developing youth arts programmes because they've got an excellent youth service there. You know, it's statutory funded, you know, even though it's a very kind of uh, um, dispersed country and it's hard to reach all young people, they've got a very uh, kind of sustainable youth service. So I think going out and talking about these different ways of doing things, you know, raising awareness to some of the critical points, for me, for me, that's the way forward. But I am optimistic that there is a future. I see the value in these projects and I see the benefits that they have for young people. So any ways to kind of support this work in future um, is a good idea. And in, in terms of that and your own work, are you going to do sort of future academic research on, on this um, or... Um, are you working on kind of uh, different projects um, in terms of your uh, sort of future writing plans? Well, I've, I've just got some funding actually to do uh, an international exchange with, with Denmark because um, there was a, a colleague that I met at a conference who'd seen the book and said, oh, you come and do a project in Denmark. So we've just got some money. I'm going to go to Copenhagen for a week and uh, we're going to work together and looking at two of her youth arts projects that she's involved with. She's going to come to England and look at two youth arts projects that I'm involved with and then we're going to write some material, hopefully. Um, so that's kind of continuing on. Um, I've made a, a contact with a colleague in Malaysia again through just publicising the book who does very similar kind of work. So there are people out there working on this and who are kind of coming forward and, and wanting to do things in the future. For me, my kind of silo that I've gone off in a couple of directions from this research is that I'm looking at, at youth radio at the moment and the kind of creativity that's involved in youth radio. 
Uh, I've gone back to working with, with Bolt FM from Glasgow, who are used in the book. Uh, and I'm also working with a project here in Nottingham that works with youth radio as an art form. Uh, and then I'll be carrying on my research with um, young people's music making. So during COVID, I, I did a piece of international research with um, Australia and Portugal around uh, the impact of music making on well-being during COVID in particular. Um, so we'll be continuing uh, that work, um, hopefully if we get some more funding. So yeah, still continuing to work in, in similar kind of ways on different bits of research, but more collaboratively this time with other people. <laughs> Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.